You're listening to episode number eight of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where I take you behind the scenes of my baby weight loss story and how I lost 20 pounds in one week. I'm master at life and weight loss coach Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hello, and welcome back. I am so excited to dive into my baby weight loss story. And I think this is so good. And just to give you a behind the scenes of what this is like, not just for other people, but for me specifically, like as a weight loss coach, as somebody who specializes in health and nutrition and human performance and who knows the things and who has done the work and who now is doing the work again, but just kind of under different circumstances of having a newborn at home. And in its it can be so deceiving. And so I'm reeling everybody in, right, by saying I lost 20 pounds in one week. And that statement is 100% true. So Tuesday, I got weighed at, this This was November 3rd, I got weighed at the hospital and I was 149 pounds. That Thursday, when we took Caleb home, I was 138. So I had already dropped with it by just having him. And then the, uh, so I had him on Wednesday. By Thursday afternoon, when we got home, <laughs> I was already like down 10 pounds. So that was not the hard part, right? Friday came and I was 136. Saturday, 134.6. Monday that following week, 131. Tuesday, so about a week later, I'm now 130. So 19 pounds in the span of one week. That was it. But this was all, like number one, it was all like extra water weight. It was the baby. It was extra fluid and things. And so now all my body was doing was releasing what it naturally had gained but my composition didn't go back. Like I was, I did not have a flat stomach at that point. Like I still had very much a belly. (laughs) So it's not like things just automatically went back into place. It still took some time for that. And that was one thing too, which it's such a good reminder to realize and to remember that like the number on a scale doesn't paint the whole picture. And just because the number goes down doesn't mean that you're still going to like your body the way that you are. Like at 130 pounds, I was still very close to my pre-baby weight, which was 124. But I still did not, I was like, "Mm, nope, this has got to keep changing. And so for the next couple of weeks, I didn't lose weight, but I lost inches. And that was a big thing is I never really tracked my inches. I really just looked at how were clothes fitting. And that was basically my sign, my telltale like sign for how I was doing and the progress that I was making. But within that first week, I did lose 20 pounds. Now, for the next like six months, I kind of messed around with the same four pounds, kind of gaining and losing one or two pounds and going up. And so I had this range between like 129 up to like 132 and I kind of bounced around. So it's late November. My goal was to be 125 by December 20th. That was the goal that I had set and wrote down. So January rolls around, still not 125. And so I have that crossed out in my notes. I have it crossed out and then it says, there's an arrow that says March 21st. I didn't actually hit 125 pounds until June 11th. 11th, right? Like the middle of June. Here I thought I should be further along. I should be hitting this number. And this is one of the biggest things 
that we wrestle with is having expectations of how quickly we think we should be losing the weight. So, and often this feels like crap, right? Because you, you end up just arguing with yourself, arguing with reality, making yourself wrong, making yourself bad for not hitting some arbitrary goal. But I had this expectation and the expectation came from comparing myself to somebody else, right? As most expectations do. Most of the time, they are planted by other people. They're other people's thoughts and opinions, which means they get to take them and keep them and they don't have to impact mine at all. Or they come from my own expectations that I have, basing my view of what I should be able to do on somebody else and somebody else's body and how they recovered. So I had a friend and she had a baby in like April, maybe. I think it was like April or May. And I saw pictures of her around the 4th of July and she was at the beach in a two-piece bathing suit, like in a, in a bikini, looking super cute, super flat stomach, did not look like she had just had a baby like six weeks prior, like six weeks. And she looked incredible. And so for me, I was looking at that and thinking, oh, like I should be able to do that in six weeks, right? We have this idea of like, oh, it takes, it takes time to lose weight and it can. And so I'm thinking, all right, well, yeah, I can give myself, you know, nine months, nine months seemed awfully long. And I know there's this like idea of like nine months in nine months out of like, okay, I should be back at nine months. But really, like, I'm a health coach, y'all like I'm a weight loss, like this is what I do. I should be there in six months or less. And then seeing this picture of her, I was like, hot damn, I should be there in six weeks or less. So I had this view and this idea of what I should look like and where I should be. All just because I was comparing myself to somebody else which is never helpful when it comes to weight loss or body image or anything like that because our bodies are so radically different. They are. We have totally separate bodies. We have totally, we have different heights. We have different natural rate weights and starting points. Like we have different hormone levels. We have different circumstances that we're dealing with and working on. We have different tendencies, you know, to cope with food or, you know, different things like that. And so that was something that I realized that I was doing. And I quickly had to recognize like, okay, that's not where I want to be. Where, like, how do I get where I want to go instead? How can I create the life that I want and recognize that the weight is going to come off and be okay taking its time? And often one of the problems that we have is that we want to hurry up and get there. And there's, there's a couple reasons why. Either one, I am not enjoying my process. So it's like, this sucks. I need to hurry up and get there so that this can be over. Instead of when we enjoy our process, we're not looking for it to necessarily end. So when we have these extra rules and restrictions and expectations on ourselves, we often create a program and a plan that we don't want to stick with, that we can't enjoy, and we don't look at our progress. We don't celebrate our progress. So that's one piece. The other, other piece that I just kind of mentioned was celebrating progress and not just results. And this is something that I too have to really focus on. It's something where it's like, it's so easy to talk about this with clients, to share this with them. And it still can feel so unnatural to do that for ourselves. It still feels unnatural for me to do that. And it, I was talking to a friend and I had three pounds left to go and I was sharing this with her and she was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like, that's incredible. And in my mind, I was thinking, no, 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 I can't celebrate this because it is taking me way longer than it should have. I can't celebrate and I can't be happy with the progress I've made. I can't be proud of myself because I should have been there months ago. That's really what my brain was doing. And it took her like providing that praise for me to see that, oh, I wasn't celebrating. And then to start to look at why. Why wasn't I not letting myself celebrate? Why wasn't I letting myself celebrate? (laughs) I think there was a double negative in there. So, you know, and that's, that comes often when we have these expectations 
and then we're not meeting them. We think we should be further along. That should comes up again. And then we don't celebrate and we don't look at what are we able to accomplish? How far are we getting? And so we want to hurry up and get there because we don't enjoy the process because we're not celebrating and looking at our achievements and the milestones that we are like overcoming. And often like the biggest thing is we want to hurry up and get there because we think that once we get to this magical weight, then we'll have all of these lush thoughts and feelings about ourselves that once I lose the weight, then I can be happy. Then I can feel confident. Then I can feel proud. Then I can feel this way. Then I'll have all of these beautiful thoughts about myself. Then I'll think I'm, you know, just the bomb. And it never turns out that way. So my goal has been to get to 124. I'm 124.5. So I'm like, I'm like basically there, but my thoughts, like I still have to intentionally choose because I can still look in the mirror and nitpick everything that's wrong with me. My thighs are too close together and they rub when I wear these shorts and my belly still pokes out a little bit and I don't quite have the arms that I used to or the legs or there's these little extra veins on my thighs and like I can still nitpick the crap out of my body. It does not matter that I'm basically at my goal weight. That number has nothing to do with it. We think that the number is going to make us happy, but if you don't learn how to change your thinking on the way down, you're never going to change the way that you are there. Like how you get there is how you'll be there. And if you are nitpicking and hating yourself then, that's how you're going to experience it. You That does not change just because the number changed. That is a habit. That's an ingrained habit that we all have to work on and let go of and start to recognize and shift and redirect our thoughts. So there's not a problem that my brain wants to go there. It's not a problem that I look in the mirror and my brain instantly wants to tell me everything that's wrong with me and my body. There's not a problem that my brain has these thoughts about the scale and that number. I just get this opportunity now to redirect it. I don't give in, right? These thoughts, they can come, they can hang out at the party, but they're sitting in the corner. I'm not giving them any airtime. <laughs> like you can go pout in the corner under the table. We're not hanging out. We are not friends. You can be here. but we're not friends. I'm not engaging with you. And really focused on how do I want to think about myself? How do I want to think about my body? And it's really interesting, right? So if you imagine right now that you've lost your weight, you've got the body that you want, you're at the weight that you want, you look smoking hot, you're wearing the clothes, you feel gorgeous. How are you thinking about yourself? And how are you feeling about yourself? What are you telling yourself? What are some of the thoughts that you have? And why are you not doing this right now? Because here's the thing, you do not need that circumstance of the weight or the body or the certain size in order to have those thoughts. You can be thinking all those thoughts about yourself right now. The problem is that we think we have to earn it. We have to have some kind of accomplishment that we can't be proud of ourselves right now for the way that we look. Well, I don't have a perfectly flat stomach. I don't have like these beautifully sculpted legs. I still have a little bit of a tricep flab, (laughs) you know, like whatever it is that we are nitpicking ourselves with. We think that we can't talk nicely to ourselves now. And our brain always wants to go to the negative. And that's just because you have a normal human brain. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with that. We just want to work on redirecting it. That every time those thoughts come in, we have a response. You can have this conversation so long as you're not engaging and like just giving into the negativity. So you can have it from the place of, no, 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 like I did something incredible with my body. No, 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 I'm making incredible progress. Like I may not have the body just yet. I may not be at my goal weight just yet, but I still have a lot to be proud of and I can still think these good things about myself. You don't have to earn positive self-talk. You don't have to earn your self-love, especially not with your body. It's not necessary. And somehow we've picked this up. I feel like as a culture, as society, as women, maybe like we are just, it's so ingrained that I have to earn it. Like once I have this accomplishment, then I can have these thoughts and I can have these feelings. 
it's really interesting too. Like I have been this way probably ever since I was a kid. And back in school, it was like, well, when I get the A, then I get to feel good about myself. If I got a B, I don't get to feel good about getting that B. It does not matter how hard that class was. It does not matter that it was AP Calc. It does not matter anything. If I got a B and not an A, well, that is something to cry over and to like hate myself for. That is not something that I get to be proud of. And it comes into play with failure too, now that I'm like thinking about it. You know, so often, rather than looking at failure as like, wow, at least I tried. Wow, I'm like, I'm so proud of myself for getting out there and trying something new. Or, wow, that was really tough. What did I learn from it? We just want to beat ourselves up. And so we really have to move away from constantly wanting to shame and beat ourselves up. From the shame, the judgment, the blame, the guilt. Like, we have to start to move away from all of that negative self-talk. And so again, it goes back to like, often we think that that self-talk is just magically going to change because of you've hit a number on a scale or because you wear a certain size and it doesn't. Now, I personally also had extra expectations on myself about, well, I'm a weight loss coach. This is my field. This is my industry. I should be doing it better and faster than everybody else. I should be further along right now. There were a lot of shoulds in here. And especially I should be looking this way because so-and-so isn't a weight loss coach. Like she, (laughs) you know, like if she looks that good, I should too. And that's where, that's another one of the, the problems or issues that I have with this idea of like, well, if I can do it, you can do it. And it makes it seem so flippant and so easy. And then when we don't do it, now we feel bad about ourselves. Well, she can lose weight. And she says, if she can do it, then anybody can do it. But now I'm not doing it. So, well, now I just feel like crap about myself. We don't ever learn how to change that conversation. That is the big point. So really what this takes is a combination of mindset, action, and consistency. And that's what's going to help you to create the results. But when we don't have the right action that we're taking, we can't be consistent. When we don't have the mindset to help us when we are taking the action, but not seeing the result or not seeing those results yet, we stop with the consistency and we don't end up with the results. And so we get stuck in this trap and in this cycle of not being able to celebrate until we have the results, but we don't have the right mindset because we're not, you know, and we're not being consistent because we don't have the mindset. So we're not continuing to take action. And we just kind of swirl in this pit of confusion and indecision and doubt and discouragement. So There was a little bit of judgment and frustration throughout this time (laughs) because like I said, I hit my my original goal of 125 on June 11th and I had originally set it for December 20th and then I set it for March 21st. You know, it's like it kept on going and I kept on going, but I decided in May, so actually it was mid-May, I had wanted to be 124 by mid-August and I actually hit my goal a bit faster than I was expecting. So my 124 goal, I actually hit more within like 30 days than 60 days. But because I was focused and I was clear-headed and I wasn't just being flippant about it. So back when I was saying I lost the, the 20 pounds in a week, that felt super, like I wasn't trying, it wasn't hard. I wasn't doing anything like differently other than just trying to eat when I was hungry and stop when I was satisfied. I really focused on the basics. I was trying to sleep whenever I could. I was drinking my water. I was trying to move my body, you know, just a little bit. I spent that first week mostly in bed though. I think by Sunday, I was like, I think we went to Lowe's so that I could walk around. I was like, I need to get out of the house. (laughs) And we were in Arizona and it was still hot as all get out. It's still like in the 90s in early November. So we went to Lowe's so that I could walk around a little bit, move my body. And so I 
I had this this expectation though of like how things were supposed to go and you know and it it didn't work out that way. So in late January I was 130.6 pounds. In early February I went down to 128.8, so about 129. And then we had some deaths in the family, we were traveling, we had like this spring break trip planned. So in let's see, April 20th, I was about 130. So when I got back from all of that, so not only did we have a baby, we had the holidays, we moved across the country, we had these other travel things throughout, you know, all across the country again. And so coming back, mid to late April is around the 20th, I was about 130. And then throughout May, I'm making some like steady progress. So May 10th, I was 128.6. And then I was 127.2 just a couple days later. And then about a week later, I was 126.6. And then a couple weeks later, I was 125. And then a week later, I was 124.6. And then I maintained that for a while. And then July 5th, I was 124.8. So I'm still just kind of maintaining. And what I realized was that I could get away with half-assing it for those first 20 pounds. Those last like three, four pounds, the last little bit of weight that I was working on, I couldn't just half-ass it anymore. I couldn't just give in to all my urges and cravings. I couldn't just keep overeating. I couldn't be eating when I wasn't hungry. I couldn't be procrastinating. I really had to get focused and put a little more effort into my process and just practicing, practicing what I preach, right? Like doing more weekly planning, doing more daily planning, doing more, you know, mindset and intentional like thought work. That's really what it came down to. And that was one thing that I realized was like, okay, I can kind of stay here, but if I actually want to hit my goal, I need to give this a little more time and attention. So there's nothing wrong if I wanted to stay at 127. Like there's nothing wrong with staying at that weight, but I decided I didn't want to, and I wanted to keep going and just explore and see what this was going to take. So now that I'm at in my 124 range, Okay, let's talk about ranges and maintenance for just a second. And then we'll talk about like how I want to go into maintaining more composition than actually focused on the weight. So let's talk about body composition. So now that I'm at my weight, I really want to focus on the composition. So I'm really focused on how do I lift weights two to three times per week and really make sure that that gets prioritized. Now, it's a little bit easier when I'm teaching the class. (laughs) It's a lot harder to back out of last minute, but really making sure that I prioritize those classes that I am going and I'm teaching and I'm having fun. So I teach Mondays and Thursdays. And then Saturdays, I've decided I'm going to work out with my husband in the garage. So I've got my weights scheduled and that's going to be a big piece for me. That was one thing that I started to implement more like consistently over the last month and a half has been, can I really show up? Can I lift more? Because this is going to not just impact my weight and that number, but this is going to impact how I feel. And it's my, my whole composition, because that's more what I'm looking for now. I'm not as concerned about that number on the scale. I'm like looking at, all right, how do I feel in this dress? How do I feel in these pants? How do I feel in these jeans? What does that look like for me? And so that's really what I'm focused on. And what I really am working towards is how do I create this opportunity? You know, like what's that next level up? And that was really getting clearer on, okay, the, the weights portion and lifting. Now, let me be clear here that 75% of the way you look comes from what you put in your mouth, not what you do in the gym. Now, your workout, your exercise, it is going to impact your weight loss and how you look, but not the same way that the food will. So while this was a level up for me, it was because I had really been doing like I'd been lifting weights maybe once or twice a month (laughs) up until that point. This was for me just the level up that I was ready to take next. That was what did it for me. And the key here is finding something that you love. So I love body pump. 
I love teaching the class. I love taking the class. I told my husband I'd stop teaching if he really wanted me to, but I would still go and take the class (laughs) because I love it. So that for me is what I do. You might not love it, but I encourage you to find something that you do love. My sister loves CrossFit. I've got a best friend and she loves lifting heavy. I've got other people in my life and they love moving their bodies in slightly different ways. And there's nothing wrong with that. So find the the thing that you enjoy, find a way to move your body that you love, and then look for how can you level up? What does that look like? Just a 1% level up. So for me, it started instead of doing it once or twice a month, it looked like, can I get consistent with once a week? Can I get consistent with twice a week? And it was this slow kind of progression of month over month, making these updates and making these changes. And when I get out of my range, I also know like, oh, if I'm out of my weight, my my kind of four pounds up or down kind of maintenance range, it's likely because I have not been lifting. Like I'm I'm overeating, I'm giving into urges, and I'm likely not lifting. Like it's those three things. I know for me, like that's likely what it is. Not for everybody. Like you get to figure out what your three things are, but those are the three areas that I look at most. And I look at the food before I look at the exercise. But that reminds me now, the maintenance range. So with maintenance, you've got to give yourself a little wiggle room. I am not going to get on the scale and every single day be 124 pounds. I'll be anywhere from like 122 or 123 to like 126. It's kind of two pounds up and down. That's a range that I feel good with. And I know like when I hop on the scale, like coming back from a week away and I get on the scale this morning and I'm 126, I'm like, oh, okay. Makes total sense (laughs) because there were some times when I was overeating. There were some times when I was was eating dinner or like snacking and I really wasn't truly hungry. Like, oh, yep, nope, that makes sense. I have not been lifting. Like, (laughs) I don't have to be afraid of that number. I don't have to freak out about it. I just know like, all right, back on track, getting back into my groove. We're scheduling my classes, really ironing out my schedule, making sure I'm prioritizing time to, you know, get the food down, really going back and assessing even like, all right, why was I eating and I wasn't hungry? What's happening? What's going on here? Because sometimes it's not just what's going on in during the day. Sometimes there's like a deeper kind of undercurrent of stress or anxiety or fear or worry or just feelings of like not enough or this isn't going to work. Or we can have a lot of thoughts that we try to just dumb down or push down and we don't want to think about, we don't want to feel, but ultimately they're there. And that can trigger our emotional eating just as much as, you know, somebody, (laughs) somebody swerving and cutting you off and causing a car crash or these other kind of bigger events and these bigger circumstances that we want to pinpoint. So it just gives us an opportunity. So like I have the opportunity now to look at, all right, how do I want to show up for myself this week? What do I want to prioritize? Really looking at, again, the overeating, the urges, and then the lifting, the weights. Those are going to be my things. So back after, so right after I had the babies for entire, that, that next week, what was really interesting was I had a lot of cravings for sweets. I had a lot of probably cravings and urges. So because I was really trying to listen to my body and like only when I was hungry, I think I had more cravings for sweets, especially at the end of the night, because I had, I've been nursing and my body probably needed more, but it wasn't sending out the hunger signals like I was expecting. And so then, and also I was watching like the great, like, oh, what was it? Some kind of like baking challenge. It was like the great uh, holiday baking challenge, I think is what it was like on Netflix or Hulu or something, right? So I'm watching 
all of this, like all of these sweets and baked goods to where by the end of the night, like usually I wanted a bunch of things. I wanted like the chocolate and the protein bars and the cake and the pie and the cookies. And I wanted all the things. And I gave, and I ate all the things, fruit snacks and, you know, anything that was sweet, usually in the evenings, like that was, that was my thing. And instead of just saying I get one, I would have three or four. So that's the other thing that I have to recognize and just be honest with myself about, all right, if I want to lose the next couple of pounds, I probably can't do that anymore. (laughs) And just give myself some grace too. My body is changing. The hormones are fluctuating. Everything is, is in like in motion. And it's ultimately, you know, my body's trying to recover from something. I felt really good. My energy and spirits, like I had an incredibly terrible, painful labor, 35 hours, a lot of back pain. Caleb had flipped when my water broke. And so he was face up and I had hours of back pain. I didn't do an epidural, but I did do low dose, like pain medication that helped for about an hour to where I could keep going. But like, I was ready to have a C-section, like it was bad. And so after he was out, I felt amazing. Like I was, I felt so good. (laughs) Like I think it was because I was in so much pain prior to that. I felt incredible. My recovery went really well and it was, it came a lot faster, I think, than I was expecting, which was kind of a nice surprise. But it was also kind of hard because I felt so good, like on the outside. And in the beginning, I was, even though I was waking up to feed the baby throughout the night, like I still was able to fall back to sleep really easily. And we were just finding this like groove and I was just hanging out in bed and just like holding him. And it just felt so It was just so nice. But I had to remember that even though I felt good, my body was still healing and I, you know, I still couldn't push it. I was like ready to get back and start weightlifting after like two weeks. And I, I really took a slow progression. So I started, I did about five days kind of in bed, no movement, you know, very little movement around the house. And then, so after about a week, I did one mile a day for a week. And then I went up to two miles a day and then three miles a day and then four. And then I went And kind of was like around that four to five range. But it was a very slow, intentional progression. And I didn't start lifting. I lifted a little bit in December. It was really like January when I started doing weights again. And that's when I, you know, I found a stroller group and I found some other things to do. But it it definitely took me some time to get back into it. And part of that was because of, you know, holidays and travel and, and different things like that. But that's, everybody has their own story, their own pace. And like I said at the beginning too, I was losing inches throughout this time. The scale wasn't moving much. I was kind of bouncing in that, you know, 129 to like 132 range. I was bouncing around for a while in that, in that space, but I was also losing inches. So I noticed with a shirt that I had bought, Right around Thanksgiving time, I had put it on and it was fairly tight around my stomach. And when I put it on a couple, like two, three months later, it was really loose. So there were definitely some things where I was like, oh, I didn't even realize I was losing this belly fat and this extra weight and this extra skin. I didn't even realize my, my stomach was shrinking as much. I just was looking at that number on the scale. And so our clothing can be a really good indicator too of the things that are happening like under the surface. Though even though the number on the scale isn't changing, that things are still changing in your body. And that for me, like I was okay with that because even though I was still, it felt a little frustrating at times to still be like, all right, what am I doing? I'm still at 129. I'm still at 130. I was still actually losing fat. So, and my body was really starting to go back to the way that it was previously. So I looked like, I felt like I looked really good at like three or four weeks (laughs) postpartum. Like I did. But I wasn't at the point where I like I knew I wanted to be. And that's that's just taken some time. And again, when you have a process that you actually enjoy 
and it doesn't feel like a struggle and a challenge and you're constantly deprived, you'll feel good about this. So these last few pounds that I've lost, like I've done it while you know, like with having a baby, with having a home life, with getting back into business and really starting to, you know, get back into a work schedule. I've done it while eating all the things. Like some nights we have pizza, some nights I have ice cream, some nights I drink wine, some nights I have a salad and veggies and it's like a stir fry. It's like, it's not all just junk food, but I'm not afraid of it. We still have it. We travel, we try new restaurants, we want to try new things. And, you know, and I, I want to, that's one thing that I enjoy. I think we're kind of foodies now and we enjoy trying new things and I'm okay not liking it. I'm okay not drinking something or not eating something because I don't like it, but also giving myself that flexibility to, to try something new, to enjoy food. You know, the burgers, the fries, like I love hamburgers. I love sweet potato fries. There are certain things that they're just a part of my life and I've still been able to lose the weight because I'm really focused on, am I hungry? Am I satisfied? That is like the big ultimate rule of thumb that is on my rule. So rather than being afraid of carbs or fat or dairy or a list of like all the foods that I can't eat, I really focus on no matter what I'm eating, am I eating when I'm truly hungry and stopping at satisfied? So let's talk about food and some of that a little bit more because again, what we put on our mouth will impact the way that we look and our composition way more than what we do in the gym. So for me, my daily plan, so fruits and veggies were always options for snacks and they always counted as on plan. So I never stressed about eating a fruit or a veg that was always allowed. I always planned a vegetable with every meal. And then it turned into, can I do half my plate in vegetables and the other half in like the carbs, fat, protein, alcohol, and ice cream. I would plan about, I plan each one about three times per week. And I really had to get back to my like one protein bar a day rule of I like these, I enjoy them, like one protein bar, one protein cookie, one like keto brownie or like whatever kind of quote healthy thing that you are eating. Are you being mindful of how much you're eating or how frequently you're doing that? So instead of doing one of everything, instead of doing, you know, three, it's can I really just focus on having that one? And when I do that, it makes me more intentional with when I'm eating it. So I'm not going to just go and grab a protein cookie or brownie or, a, you know, a bar or something because I'm hungry. If that's the only one I get today, I want to eat it when I'm actually in the mood for it, when it actually sounds really good. And it's a good indicator that, oh, am I reaching for food because I'm just bored or I'm procrastinating or something else is coming up or am I actually truly hungry and I need to eat some food? And a lot of times it's really easy for me to just grab a snack, grab a bar, grab something like that rather than making a meal. You know, it's a lot of times it's quicker, it's easier, but I would allow chocolate every day. And I really just focused on the serving size rather than eating like half a bag of chocolate chips. I'm looking at, all right, what does one serving size look like? How can I portion this out? Not eating things straight out of the bag putting them in a little cup or a bowl or something like that. Just to give me that reset. I would have different kind of weekly challenges that I would give myself to help with the snacking or the urges or stopping at enough. So some of them were putting my fork down between bites, leaving two bites behind at the meal, allowing one urge per day, and then creating a tracker. So I call this a successful urge tracker. And this is something else that I did to where instead of eating and 
and having, you know, the enjoyment, the satisfaction when re- when realizing like, oh, you know what, I'm just tired or it's, you know, it's kind of late in the night. I don't want to be eating right now. Whenever I said no to an urge, I would write it down. And every time I would write something down, I'd be saying something nice about myself at the same time. Like you're doing so awesome. Way to go. Even if it was the first on the list of like 25. And then at the end of those 25, then it's like, all right, now how do I want to reward myself for these 25 successful urges? Like these 25 urges that I had that I didn't argue about myself with. I didn't make myself feel bad. I didn't have to use willpower. I just decided, you know what? I'm not hungry. You know what? It's too late in the day. You know what? I really, I think a piece of fruit will do. Like I'm not, you know, we have all different kinds of reasons as to why we can realize like we don't need that, why we're going to say no to an urge, but do it in a place of from self-love instead of I can't or I'm not allowed. So I track those successful urges. And I also practice saying something nice to myself whenever I'm tracking them as well. Because self, like positive self-talk is not always a, an easy habit. Our brains naturally want to go to the negative. We want to look at what's not working, what's wrong, how much further we have to go. That's okay. It's not a problem. But we just get intentional about when we talk to ourselves and how we talk to ourselves. And then I focused on weekly meal planning and weekly prep to help make the days easier. And so every time when I focus on, I know when I focus on like doing a large grocery shopping trip, And I focus on making two to three meals like on a Saturday or Sunday and then one or two maybe throughout the week we eat leftovers for lunch. Like that for me works well. I don't like having to make food every single day. Like I don't really enjoy cooking. That is not my favorite thing to do. I would much rather go out to eat (laughs) than make food. But it's something where like I know that I'm going to eat well when I eat at home and I eat well when I eat out too. Eating out is not a problem. But like for for staying on our you know within our our food allowance and our food spending this is you know I cook and so cooking on a weekly basis for me I prefer to cooking daily you have got to figure out what you like to do though like what makes sense for you when do you want to do your planning when do you want to do your prep because I know if I do a weekly plan if I pull it doesn't matter like my days can kind of get away from me sometimes. And then it's like, oh, well, as long as I pull something from this weekly plan, I'm all set. Like it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter too much if Tuesday's lunch, I end up eating Thursday for dinner. Like that's not a big deal. I often am at the point now where I create a weekly plan. And then if I'm just eating from that list of weekly items, like I'm good. It's not a problem. And I just want to remind you, like it's not a problem to eat off plan. The question is, do you like your reasons? That's it. So when it comes to meal planning and prepping and grocery shopping and things like that, You're going to pay with time or you're going to pay with money. That's the trade-off. You can't have it both ways. You cannot pay or not pay with one of those. You can't say, well, I don't want to pay with time and I don't want to pay with money. Well, you're shit out of luck then because that's not how this works. So it's a trade-off and we've got to stop arguing with it or making it a problem. So one of the trade-offs for me is that I will do a lot of the cooking because I'm not going to hire somebody out and pay somebody else to do that right now. Maybe in the future I will. But right now, I'm taking that on. I'm going to do that. So I'm going to pay with my time instead of paying with money. There's nothing wrong with that. You might be at a point where you're like, you know what? I don't have the time. I'm going to pay with money. Maybe you do a meal delivery service. And that's part of how you pay with time or you pay with money instead of time. But stop arguing with reality. Stop being frustrated that you have to cook or that you don't have any money or that this is coming up and it's such a problem. This is a choice. And if you don't like the decision that you're making, make a different one. That's it. You can choose differently. You can try something once and then decide to, no, this doesn't work for me. You can try something for a while and then say, all right, this has been working, but here are the areas where we need to fine tune. Here's where it's not working and what I need to do differently. But you're going to pay with time or money. It's your choice. But don't argue and pretend like it's a problem either way. 
So in addition to the food aspect, we talked about food, we talked about moving my body, really finding things that you enjoy. That's really critical here. I was also focused on how can I prioritize sleep? Because this whole idea of like, oh, sleep when the baby sleeps. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to vacuum when the baby vacuums and I'm going to, you know, make food when the baby makes food. Like, no, that is kind of BS. So here's the thing. If you are a napper and you can get in a nap, don't feel bad about taking a nap, right? Like it seems so common sense, but it can feel so hard when we're in, when we've got this like long to-do list and, you know, especially if you've got like a spouse who goes off to work and then he comes home and he was like, oh, what'd you do today? I'm like, well, you know, I didn't really do any of these 10 things on my to-do list, but I took a nap with the baby. <laughs> you know, it's like, I kind of feel bad doing that, but it's self-imposed, it's self-inflicted. And so Again, this is where sometimes we have to, you know, in our attempt to reduce stress and to get more sleep, we have to lower the expectations that we put on ourselves. And we also have to talk with other people in our lives who might have expectations of us as well and making sure that they understand like, hey, for this set period of time for the next several months, like here's what this looks like. They can have those expectations. It doesn't have to bother you that they have those of you and you're not following through on them. That can be a lot harder said than done or done than said. I know it's easy to say like, oh, sure, they have these expectations that you're going to cook dinner and you just don't. But it can feel harder because we have thoughts about it. We have thoughts like we're letting somebody down. We're not able to please them. We're making somebody upset. This is something that I talk about a lot with clients are expectations that you put on yourself and then expectations of other people. And how can you let them have their expectations? expectations? How can you allow them to have their emotions and their negative emotions, their disappointment, their frustration, potentially with you and not let it impact you? So that's something that we get to practice because it's often not something that we're we're used to or we're comfortable with. Um, but I do think that as new moms and I mean, anybody with a child, <laughs> you need to prioritize your sleep because it's really going to help with your mood. It's going to help. Um, you know, I did a whole I think I did a whole episode on water and sleep. And if I haven't yet, I will. <laughs> but sleep helps with memory as well, which is really good when you're trying to remember things. So it, it helps to reset your mood and it, it does help with your energy and it helps with your weight loss. It helps your body to naturally detox, to burn fat. But try, again, like don't stress about the sleep either. I know there are going to be times, like sleep is going to be one of the lowest things that I can control right now. Having an eight-month-old baby who is still not sleeping through the night I can't control certain aspects of my sleep. I look at what I can control and there are certain things within the realm that I can. So for example, when he's sleeping at like from 9 p.m. to midnight, I'm not working. <laughs> I did this a couple nights. I do not like, and I decided I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not working even though he's sleeping and it's a great time to get things done. I'm not working from 9 p.m. to midnight because I need my sleep too. I'm looking at like, you know, I'll drink some sleepy time tea and I wind down, I read a book. Sometimes I watch a show, but I look at what can I do to help foster sleep to where I can be sleeping and getting my rest as well. I've changed my morning routines, so I don't get up at 5 or 5.30 anymore. The thought of that makes me cringe. <laughs> a lot of times we'll get up around 7, 7.30. Some mornings we're up at like 6, 6.15. Sometimes we sleep in as late as like 8 or 8.15. But I give myself that permission and my like minimum baseline for this is that I'm up by 8.30. That's it. <laughs> Which for you, some people might seem really early. For others, maybe that feels really late. And I, I don't have this like journal routine in the morning anymore. I put that elsewhere in my day. So I still make time for the things that I want to be doing. But I realize like, oh, you know what? I'm not planning in the morning. I'm not planning my food. I don't have this like 
quiet coffee time right now. And that's okay. I just look at what do I want to get done and like where else can I put it in my day? What else can I be doing right now? For example, recording this podcast, we've got a babysitter here so that I can get certain things done. I get help and I pay for help when I need to. It's not a problem. But I look at how can I prioritize sleep? How do I make this essential? Another thing with sleep, I bring my own pillow when I travel. Like as long as I'm not flying, I bring my pillow with me when we're driving places because I I want a good pillow and that's going to be part of helping me have a good night's sleep. I have a little eye mask I take with myself. If I forget it, I will try to order one on Amazon if we're going to be someplace long enough or I'll go to the store and see if I can find one. There are certain little things that I know help me to sleep better. So I look at what can I do to help get the most sleep and then not stress about not getting that much some nights. The night before last, I think I got like not even six hours. It was like five hours and 45 minutes. That's okay. It's not a problem. I just look at how do I how do I try and catch up? How do I remember and recognize that my body is probably going to need several nights of good solid sleep to to make up for that one lost night? And it's going to take some time, right? I may not catch up on sleep for a while. <laughs> I'm going to try different sleep routines with Caleb. I'm going to try different tactics and different things, but I'm also going to let, I'm not going to force it because anytime we get stressed and worked up and anxious about a child sleeping, they're going to feel that energy and they're just, they're not going to sleep. So it does you no good. I have a sister who I believe her daughter like started sleeping through the night at eight weeks. I'm very jealous. <laughs> Caleb has had some nights where he slept like five or six hours at a time. Like we've had some good chunks. We've also had several like regressions. And recently with the teething, he was, yeah, he was waking up a lot. And some nights like he just wants to nurse like all night long. Like if my boob is not in his mouth, he is not happy. He's like crying or whining. So, you know, like there's there's different things that that we just have to to deal with and work and recognize. Like I can't control everything here. I'm just gonna focus on what I can't control. And the other piece here, which I mentioned briefly, was water. Drink your water. This is one of the easiest ways for your body to not just burn fat, for you to increase your energy and for you to regulate your hunger and satiety levels because your brain, it might, you might just be dehydrated. You might be thirsty and your brain's going to send out more hunger signals and your body's going to send those up because it's just trying to get the water. So stay hydrated, drink your water. That is a big thing. That's one thing that I can control. So really focusing on those pieces. That has been what it's been like for me to step back into my pre-baby body. I'm still nursing. We will likely do that until he's about one and then start to phase that out. I you know, I have no idea. It's It's been so interesting. Caleb doesn't like pureed food. So I give him like chicken pot pie and like really small bites and he loves it. So, you know, it's like so much of this is just dependent on the person. It's dependent on the baby and like, don't make yourself wrong throughout this process. So I know the the 20 pounds in a week sounds like really awesome. And maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you feel like, oh, the first 20 pounds was like super easy to lose. And then the last 20 pounds oh, is such a struggle. It feels like such a drain. And so I just want to challenge you here to make sure that you have a process that you actually enjoy. If you do not love your process, come talk to me. This is one of the things that I work on with clients very specifically is creating a process for them that they can enjoy, that they can stick with, that they can feel good about. And then I help you make those small 1% improvements, those 1% level ups. Rather than trying to fix everything all at once, we really focus on what is the minimum baseline? How do we get you hitting that consistently? And then how do we start to move that baseline one foot at a time, one inch at a time? Like it, we go, we go simply and smoothly and it's going to feel like it's not good enough. 
That's the sign that you're doing it right. That's the sign that you're on the right track is when your brain wants to say, well, this isn't good enough. This couldn't possibly help me to lose the weight. It's, then you're likely on the right track <laughs> because this is all about what can you do for the rest of your life without hating your life. We need all of those pieces in there. We need the action. We need the consistency. And you're not going to have either of those without the mindset piece. So this was, I just wanted to come in and share and talk about how, you know, I had these glorious plans for the podcast that would be like, look at me in eight weeks. I lost the weight and blah, blah, you know, and mm-mm, nope, nope, eight months. Just, well, maybe like seven months, <laughs> but way longer than I thought it was going to take. And I just have to recognize like, it's okay. It still happened. And all the things that I thought I was going to be thinking about myself and all those lush feelings and, you know, the visions that I had of myself, like I get to have those whenever I choose. I get to have those thoughts. I get to have those feelings whenever I want them. And you get to have those thoughts and feelings about yourself as well. So if you are struggling with making the plan, if you're struggling with the positive self-talk or giving yourself the patience or the grace to do this in your own time, then come talk to me. We'll spend one hour together really diving into where you are now, what's working, what's not working, and start to paint that vision of where do you want to be in the future? What does that look like? And I will show you exactly what's getting in your way because it's likely, it likely comes down to one of those three things we, I just mentioned, your actions, your mindset, and consistency, if not all three. And a lot of times they go hand in hand. So a lot of times we struggle with a little piece of each one of those. But I will show you exactly what's standing in your way. So if you'd like to learn more, head over to bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule. Find a time for you that works. You'll get my calendar right there. Find a time and we'll spend one hour really diving into this so that you can really see what's standing in your way. What are the real obstacles? What is the real challenge here? And you, you can really be solving for the right problem instead of trying to solve for something that's actually not a problem or really doesn't matter. We spend a lot of time in weight loss focused on things that don't matter. Let me help you with that. Let me help give you clarity around what's important and what's not. All right. Well, this was a bit longer of an episode today, but I really just wanted to dive into these things and give you permission that this is going to take time. It's going to take time for everyone. And you do you. Focus on what you know your body needs, give yourself that grace and the compassion to take the time that it's going to need and don't make yourself wrong. And if you feel like you haven't put any time into this yet, or you haven't put in much effort to losing the baby weight, that's okay. You can get started today. Don't put it off to tomorrow. Don't put it off till next week or next month or start today. What can you do today? All right, you've got this. Questions, comments, fears, regrets, come talk to me over on social media. I'm at Jillian Lama 2 on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook in the Body You Crave community. All right, I will talk with y'all later. Bye. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop five keys to end emotional eating and lose excess weight for life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.